Hi everyone and welcome to the August 28th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. International auto shows have been some of the biggest cancellations caused by COVID-19, but some, such as Beijing, are planning a safe return. So, what about this country's biggest event, the Canadian International Auto Show, scheduled for February 2021? Will it be open fully to the public, online only, or a combination of both? And if it is a virtual event only, what might that look like? And will automakers still take part? I'll get the answer to those questions and talk about how the show must go on one way or another when I speak with CIAS Marketing Director David McLean on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. David, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, listen, Greg, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, there's no question that this year has been a roller coaster of unprecedented events. I just wonder off the top, what goes into the decision you're going to have to make on or before your sort of self-imposed deadline of October 16th on whether or not the show happens five months after that. What's this process been like? Yeah, well, there are a lot of factors to consider, obviously. Uh, I mean, we've got, we need a certain runway to be able to produce the show. Uh, you know, we've got to, uh, obviously following the close of the previous year's show, we have, we conduct manufacturer surveys. We figure out what they liked, what they didn't like. It shapes our decision in terms of what content we include for the following year. Uh, so we go through all of the, the, call it the administrative follow-up, the post-mortem. And then there's a pre-mortem, what we call a pre-mortem in the planning for the show and, and what we think uh, some of the needs for the industry will be, uh, where we think the industry will be headed. Uh, certainly, we'd be looking for a theme that not only connects with what's going on in the industry, but excites and engages consumers to come to the event. So... Uh, there is quite a runway, as we call it, that's, that it is needed. And, uh, you know, when, it, when it, we get right down to it, it's not just what's happening uh, you know, within COVID-19. I mean, this is a horrible pandemic. Uh, and it's not just what happens as far as the government, what the government says. They turn around on the 1st of November of this year and say, and listen, we're now allowing up to 5,000 people to gather in a building of X size. Well, that doesn't mean that we can then turn around and put on a show. Um and, and it's not just because of the lead time that I mentioned, but it's also, you know, we don't have an understanding, a complete understanding of, of not only consumer behavior, but what is the behavioral commitment of consumers? I mean, we need to see consumers taking public transit, going to sporting events, theater events, public gatherings, before we have some assurance that uh, they'll take part in, in, uh, in the Canadian International Auto Show. So there are a number of different things that we have to look at. I wondered that. Is it good or bad to be the first to come back. I, I just wonder where you would like to be in that process. If you would like to see, say, small concerts go ahead so that you can sort of see and gauge the um, response to that and the health and safety measures of those, or do you want to be first and try and get it over with, or do you want to wait and sort of be the last to, to have more to form your safety plan around? Well, I think the later, the better, to tell you the truth in the coming year. I mean, I think that, uh, uh, I, I don't know anybody that wants to be the first. I mean, certainly there are those businesses that have to get back. I know that there's, you know, live theater and there are the, the, the movie theaters would like, you know, they're trying to open right now. And I think with, uh, with great challenge. Um, but, but no, I don't think we want to be the first at all because we don't want to be the testing ground. If you, if you, you know, figure that we need, you know, probably around 
17, 20,000 people a day just, just to break even. I mean, just to, you know, cover our costs of rent and fixed operating expenses and everything. It's a, it's, it's a big number that we need to put through. And, and it's not just what we need, but it's what the manufacturers expect of us. I mean, we're judged on, you know, on what audience we deliver, not just the size of the audience, but the quality of the audience. And uh, for instance, we were down, you know, I think about 13% this year, um, which equated to about 30,000 people, 28,000 people. But the manufacturers were extremely pleased with the event because of the quality of the patron that was delivered, uh, the access that they had to the attending audience and, and uh, the influence they had over them. So it's not just the number. It used to be the holy grail was how many people can you bring through the door? But it, we realized this year after in our post-mortem discussions with manufacturers that they were very pleased because of the quality of the engagement, the interaction, and the message that they could deliver to consumers. You mentioned uh, government guidelines, public transit. Is there one determining factor that is bigger than the other or weighs more than another when going to make this decision? Is it whether the borders are open for international travel? Is it the, the limit on indoor gathering? Is it access to the building. You mentioned public transit. Is there one thing that weighs greater than another in making this decision? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's just behavioral patterns that we're looking at. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, really what's happening in the U.S. is, is uh, of, of little concern to us as it relates to our vertical business. Certainly, uh, you know, we're still watching L.A. They haven't, uh, at least I haven't heard of a formal cancellation. They, they were talking about it back in April, then there was talk of it being on, and that the trying to figure out, a, short of calling them uh, recently, uh, whether or not they're going to be holding their event in uh, in November, but it's highly unlikely, you know, especially with SEMA cancelling, uh, you know, obviously in Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show in January, uh, canceling their physical event. Uh, I, I don't I don't believe there's any, any chance that uh, L.A. will happen this year. Um, so, you know, really what we focus on is our immediate market area and, and what are consumers doing? What is the uh, you know what is the mindset of consumers? We don't want to put anybody in a you know in a, in a unsafe position, be it uh, our own internal stakeholders, uh, the automotive industry as a whole, or the attending audience. So we've got to, as as a business, we've got to be very careful in terms of how we proceed as well. You, you mentioned other shows. What types of discussions are you having with organizers of other shows? Most of the conversations we're having right now are in Canada. Of course, you know, we keep close ties with, uh, you know, with uh, automotive events throughout North America and even some around the world. Um, you know, we were the last auto show globally that got in really before the pandemic. That's right. Uh, you know, and that's really strange. I mean, Canada, but it was a timing issue. I mean, right after that, Geneva, you know, they were set up and ready to go, or just about set up anyway. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, it was the, the, the effects of the pandemic were just too great, and they, they couldn't take the risk, nor would they take the risk. And, uh, you know, we know now that they've also canceled for, for, you know, being just outside the first quarter of the calendar of next year, um, they are, uh, they've canceled that event. So um, we, we really look at what's happening uh, within the Canadian marketplace. I mean, uh, Toronto being the biggest uh, auto show in Canada, in fact, you know, when you take a look at the size and the scope, of our event in terms of media coverage and promotional exposure and just editorial commitment, we get more um, exposure than all other auto shows in Canada combined. It's, it's just, it's just that big of a difference. And so we have to, I think, lead uh, the industry and, and by leadership, I think it just means that, uh, you know, by example, we need to show that, uh, you know, if we're not prepared to have a physical event, 
because it's just if they, the environment's not right, it's not safe enough, then I think others will certainly take a close look at that, and, and so will the manufacturers. It was announced on August 20th that the Beijing show will happen. Um, are yes. you or any of your staff or colleagues going to Beijing to take in that show to see what they do? Or how closely will you be watching that show? We'll be watching the show. But again, you know, if we have to look, use the word relevance, I mean, what's happening over in China really has no no bearing. I mean, they have much greater control over audience and audience flow. Uh, you know, we looked at things like, for instance, here's a perfect example, time ticketing. Well, we could do a time ticketing program to to control the flow of people into the building. But once they're in, how do you get them out? Right. So you know, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. In China, they seem to have a you know they seem to have a you know a, a different process, and we just don't have any connection there. We will not be going to to Beijing, um, you know, in 2021, and it's not one that we would go to regularly. Anyway. We watch it. Uh, there have been uh, the odd times when we go. We go to a lot of international events, uh, you know, primarily in Europe. Uh, certainly, uh, taken a lot of the U.S. events as well because there's 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 commonality in there. When L.A. reinvented itself, uh, you know, from the what they called the old L.A. Auto Show into the new uh, reinvigorated L.A. Auto Show, they came to Toronto. They came to Toronto because really? they wanted to be more consumer focused. And I met with them. I, I met with a number of different uh, auto shows in California, and specific, specifically, the LA Auto Show came to Toronto because they wanted to be more consumer targeted rather than what Detroit was, which was really industry focused. So, if there isn't a physical show, what does a virtual or digital show look like in Toronto? What does it uh, offer um, to both the automakers and the the consumers? Well, I, I think it's it's both challenging, but uh, has the potential to be very exciting too. And and uh, we have to remember what is the business that we are in. We are in the business of getting people uh, exposed to and excited about the new car buying experience. We're in the business of presenting the auto industry and all of its you know diversity. So whether we do that in a physical platform or a virtual platform, they both have benefits. I don't think you can replace. A physical uh, platform. I mean, just the experience, the showmanship that goes on at the show. Uh, and as I said, we really are consumer focused and we work with the manufacturers to make sure that they really understand that what's most important is not just putting cars on display. It's not about cars on carpet, but it's about, you know, establishing your brand voice. Your, you know, what is, what is your brand essence and what is your brand voice at the show? What is it that you have that's different uh, from your competitors, and and uh, what is the opportunity for you at a physical event? You know, in terms of we'll call it the conquest opportunity. Really, if the people are looking at two or three different brands in in their purchase decision, well, there's no better opportunity than being at a, a at an auto show, a physical platform. Now, let's transition to the virtual platform because it too is exciting. First of all, there has to be a propensity for people to take taken an event online. So that still remains to be determined. Uh, we know that people are spending more, obviously there's more screen time. Uh, there's uh, more engagement through screen activity, be it retail commerce, uh, you know, you, you know, connecting on your favorite app, playing games, gamification. All of that is, is uh, becoming uh, um, more and more commonplace. And COVID has obviously pushed people to the screen versus, uh, you know, being out physically out in the marketplace. We can't do that. So we know we have to deliver an experience. So in our meetings with the manufacturers, we said, look, there are there is a bit of a silver lining here in terms of how you present your brand. And I use an example. If Mary Barra, you know, you can schedule GM, you can schedule Mary Barra to address the Canadian marketplace 
on the future of electric vehicles manufactured by General Motors for the Canadian market space. You probably couldn't do that at a physical event, or at least ours. There's scheduling conflicts, and there's there's challenges in terms of uh, you know what market is most important at the time. We overlay with Chicago, so there's always competition between Toronto and Chicago in terms of content. So there's a you can go much wider and deeper on the content in a virtual platform than you can in a physical event. So that's sort of the good news. There is also an opportunity in a virtual platform for manufacturers to run a concurrent physical event. That is, if, if Toyota wanted to take 20,000 square feet of space and light it properly and put their cars on display, and then from their virtual platform, you connect with the physical event. And you have brand ambassadors, and they talk to people. They, they talk to people about the cars and pointing out some of the features and benefits, just like they would at a show. Now, that's, that's sort of a second alternative. Sure. But it is, a, it is a capability that they have in today's marketing environment, which we know we all have to pivot a little bit and look at things differently. So there, there's an opportunity there. There's a, there's a great opportunity to connect through, you know, uh, through a lot of your different social channels, to build engagement with, uh, with celebrities and, and different content that you include on a virtual platform that is unique and you would be unable to execute on at a physical event. So was, did the pandemic sort of force you in this direction or were auto shows already heading in that direction and this just hastened the pace to get there? Well, that, that's a great question. We, uh, we had actually started talking about a virtual platform back in November of last year. So it was around November 2019 when we said, you know, we might have to look at this. And it wasn't because we were in fear of our event uh, falling off the radar uh, screen of manufacturers. It was because we wanted to, we knew that there was greater attribution required or demanded by manufacturers, attribution to retail sales by auto shows. So we had commissioned a report by PwC to, to discuss uh, how relevant our show is to the marketplace in terms of sales. You know, what the impact of sales uh, was like, did it, did it sustain, did it lift? Uh, there was all kinds of different information. We realized Okay, so if this is the case, we know that we're in good standing as far as the data that we could deliver. It was no longer about, I think, I feel, I believe we're in the right spot. It was, here's the data. And the data says not only do we sustain, but we lift. And there's a lot of details that we haven't uh, presented to the market. We were planning on doing that in March. And uh, obviously, everything changed and uh, you know our priorities uh, uh, were shifted a little bit. But so we've got this data and we said, okay, this is manufacturers are not going to, to, they're not going to support tier two and tier three markets across the, across the country and probably, you know, globally anymore. They're going to be looking on, you know, their dealers to take this on or whatever it may be. So we need to create tools for manufacturers where they can really deliver, you know, their own brand experience, their brand of voice across a much broader market space. And we decided that uh, a virtual platform wouldn't compete with a physical platform, it would complete the, the, the overall experience. So if, you know, if they didn't, if they chose there was a market, say they decided they didn't want to, to execute or participate in an event in, say, Halifax. But instead, they could serve the Halifax market by connecting within that community to the, the virtual platform put on by CIS concurrent with our event. So there was, there was, there was great value in, in that. And what happened with the pandemic or what the pandemic forced us to do was just accelerate our planning. If you don't host a physical public 
event. Do you expect the same number of automakers to participate? Yes, I believe we will. And, and there are a number of reasons. I think that there, first of all, most of the technology that we will employ or deploy within our platform, um, they've, they've, they're already using it. Connection to live studios and, and uh, the creation of storylines and some of the virtual tools that are available out there. So I think that there is an inclination on their part to uh, invest in the technology and uh, uh, so I think that was one of the obstacles. But we, we really did look at three big buckets. If we were to succeed, if we are to succeed, we have to, we have to conduct, uh, we have to be cognizant of three big buckets. One is we, we need to make sure that um, there's familiarity. That is, we're not going to create a, a hypothetical hall that doesn't exist, and especially when our plans are for the two to coexist in 2022 and beyond. So we're going to use the, the Metro Toronto Convention Center as our hall for a virtual platform. Secondly, we had to make sure that the manufacturers completely understand what the opportunity includes. That is, you know, making sure they understand how wide and how deep they can go with content, some of the, some of the unique things that are available to them in a virtual platform that otherwise wouldn't be available in a physical platform, and making sure that they understand how they can leverage their own assets that they have or that they're going to be creating within their virtual experience. And then the third big bucket is, you know, they know that they're okay, there's, we can do this, and they know that they, can, uh, they have the ability to participate, but we have to show them what the consumer journey will look like going through the virtual halls. What does it mean for them? How, do, how is this different, uh, you know, the experience different? And how are we going to, how are the attending public, or how are they going to uh, connect with their brand on the platform? So, that was the big, the big challenge, but we've had, uh, we've had very favorable uh, responses so far, and I'm not going out there saying everybody said, where do I sign up? But they like it. They're intrigued by it. They want more information, and, uh, you know, and they're prepared to make a decision in a relatively short time frame. I feel like everyone who hosts an auto show moving forward has the chance to be a trendsetter or um, – an organization or a show that can change the future of auto shows. Do you feel that way too, that you have a chance to do something no one else has done and that others can copy in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is not a, this was not an easy decision to make. It's a considerable investment. First of all, Uh, it's not like we say, well, it's, it's not creating a website. So many people say, well, that website, it's not a website. It's a platform. It's a highly immersive and engaging platform. So it requires, from a technology perspective, that uh, that that you do invest money, and 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 it's something that uh, you know that we're obviously going to have to capitalize over a number of years, whatever CRA allows us to do under you know accounting principles. But uh, um, it's something that we're prepared to do because we think it's part of the longevity of of auto shows and conveying what that automotive experience is all about. Um, so I, I I'm excited about it. I think that. I was really, uh, you know, uh, angling for this to be the first in the world. And, uh, you know, knowing what's going on in the U.S., I mean, there's some big events like L.A. that could have done it first, but I think they're just too far behind right now. We know uh, how much time it takes to, to do this and what sort of time constraints we're under in preparing for 2021. So, you know, the, the next one would be probably Chicago. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet. They're still scheduled as a physical event for, for 2021, but uh, we'll see what happens there. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the, sort of the, the big events that just failed to reinvent themselves. 
until recently, like Detroit. Detroit was recognized as the biggest auto show in North America, the biggest and best for the longest time. Well, Detroit was a really good media event. It wasn't a great consumer experience. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot to do there. Consumers didn't have the same appreciation for the content that the attending media would have. And so, you know, they had to reinvent themselves. And they're obviously in an, in an unfortunate position where they're going to be out of market for two and a half years before they have any opportunity to connect with consumers in a, in a physical space. David, I appreciate you being on the show. I wish you all the luck. It can't be easy doing what you and your staff are doing. Um, great conversation. Appreciate the update. All the best moving forward. Well, thanks for having me on, on the show. I really appreciate it. We reached David in his home office in downtown Toronto. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you join us next time. So long, everybody.